Um, and it is a pleasure to be speaking to you this evening. Um, week two of our series in Matthew, we're looking at some of the early chapters of Matthew. And what we're doing is we're looking at the idea or the sort of the question, what voices are you listening to? Or what voice are you listening to? What voice is speaking to you, over you, in you? And there's, we're saturated in this world with a lot of voices, aren't we? Voices you know, they're saying helpful things, unhelpful things, some that are worth listening to, others that are just sort of like polluting the airwaves. And, you know, they're all saying all sorts of things like, eat this, don't eat that, wear this, wear that. You know, how much are you earning? Are you, you know, are you seeing someone? There's a, are you, what are you watching on Netflix? All this, you know, all these sort of things that we're that we're listening to. But tonight what we're going to do is we're going to listen to and we're going to read one voice in particular. We're going to see what it's saying, what it's saying over us, what it's saying to us. Um, And so if you have a Bible, please turn to it. Page 967. As I said, we're in Matthew's Gospel. And what we're doing is we're continuing the story that Tim spoke on last week. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and 17. We're looking at the baptism of Jesus. Last week, John the Baptist uh, was introduced and he, we were looking at his ministry. And here, Matthew, he, he announces entering stage right is Jesus. And we, we've had 30 years of Jesus in this kind of life of obscurity. He's, he's just been growing up. And it's here that Matthew announces him on the world stage. It's his inauguration. It's his graduation from the private to the public. So are we all there? We're all there, yes. Come on. Matthew 3, the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you and we say, Come and do what only you can do. We are here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And Lord, may these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody said, amen. Before we go forward with our passage today, I just want to take a bit of time and look back. Because I think looking back uh, is going to help gain a bit of insight, a bit of context to what we're going to look at today. Uh, And if you missed last week's talk, Tim spoke brilliantly on uh, baptism, on John's ministry. So I would just encourage you to go back and listen to that. But as I said, we're going to look back, have a bit of context. And and last week, we met John the Baptist. He was the first man in about 400 years to be a prophet for God. He was going around, he was teaching the word, and he he was throwing out the phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And then John had the world and his wife coming to him. 
and they were saying, I, I need to be baptized. They, they were coming and saying, I need to turn from my life of sin and return to God. As Tim said, baptism is, is, is an outward celebration of what's happening internally. You've got all these people gathering in and around from the local area. And they're sort of entering into this public display of repentance. And then you've even got the Pharisees and the Sadducees there who are the spiritual elite. And they're looking on. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And they're forming this queue, this almost this, this sinner's queue. And what they're doing is they're saying, Hi, my name's Bartholomew. I've sinned, I've, I've messed up, I, I've done wrong, and what I need to do is to turn back to God and be baptized. And John, he, he, he looks at them and he says, welcome, let's do this. And it's at that moment that Matthew pens the three beautiful words at the start of our passage. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. I mean, if that doesn't lift your spirit, I don't know what will. And there's a whole message just within those three words alone, but that's for another time. Uh, and then you've got that, then Jesus came, and, and the rest of the verse goes on, but not as you might expect. What you might expect is then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to help John in baptizing people. I mean, what a lovely image that, is, that would be. You know, there's John and he's, he's baptizing people. And then the son of God steps into the water and he just joins. And they've got this double dunking thing going on. What a beautiful picture that would be. But it's not what it says. Or it might say that he was there to, to heal the sick who were queuing. Or he, Jesus came to rebuke the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But no, actually the verse ends differently. It says Jesus came to be baptized by John. Jesus, who's the coming Messiah who entered at that moment, the Son of God, the perfect sinless one, is joining the queue of sinners. And he's lining up with all of the dirty people. And he comes and he says to John, John, will you baptize me? John, will you wash me? I wonder if you've ever been in the presence of someone famous, a celebrity, royalty, Jago, I don't know, but just before Christmas, Jen and I, um, we took our little boy to see an amazing, amazing play called The Tiger Who Came to Tea. And um, when we walked into the theater, we, you know, up the steps, we walk in, and in front of me is the comedian and pub landlord, Al Murray. And I, I'm there, and I turn to Jen, and I'm like, Jen, Jen, it's, it's Al Murray. And Jen, she sees him, and she's, I mean, she's not as impressed as I am, obviously, because she's just like, okay, well, we've got to get our seats. And I'm like, Jen, it, it's Al Murray. Anyway, we get in, and we're meeting some of Jen's friends. Um, we're sort of, we're road twos. We're going to walk all the way down, and we get them, and, you know, do the thing that you do with friends. Uh, but the whole time, I'm thinking, where's Al? Like, where's Al Murray? Like, I'm in here. He's in here, too. And I look around. I don't see him. I mean, row, there's no one in front of us. And I look back, and I clock him. And I'm like, I'm in the theatre with Al Murray. I mean, he's a cheapskate in the back seats, but, but I'm with Al Murray. And, you know, I'm fully engaged with my wife. I'm fully engaged with my son on my lap and the play. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I'm just like Al Murray. 
I'm, I'm with my family. I'm chill. I'm, I was just aware of his presence. I was aware of Al Murray's presence. And John, he, segue, John says, no, Jesus, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. Why? Because John understood who Jesus was. He understood whose presence he was in. In John's gospel, we read that John the Baptist, he, he's out in the desert and suddenly he sees Jesus and he says, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John knew who Jesus was. John knew Jesus' identity. And so when Jesus says, let it be so now, John obeys. Why? Because he understands whose presence he's in. But really, what is happening here? What's going on? The perfect saviour wanting to be washed, to be made clean. The perfect sinless one is joining this queue of sinners. But what's happening is, is that Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that was spoken hundreds and hundreds of years ago in Isaiah. And, and Jesus, what he's doing is he is stepping into our humanity. Read with me Isaiah 53, I'm going to start at verse 11. It says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant, that is Jesus, he will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I'll give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Why did Jesus ask to be baptized? Because he's stepping into our story. He's stepping into our humanity. Verse 13, then Jesus came. Why? To stand with us, to stand with us in affliction, to take our place on the cross, to die the death that we should die. He was being baptized and he was saying, the sinner's queue ends here. Jesus was saying, I'm going to be baptized for you. I'm going to be baptized, washed, and come up clean for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, which means that the perfect sinless one became sin so that we may be made right with God. And this whole first section this evening is it's speaking into Jesus' humanity. Don't forget that Jesus, he was fully man as well as fully God. And the ultimate way to relate to humanity is to step into it. And as Isaiah 53 says, to be numbered with the transgressors, to be numbered with us. But that's only half of Jesus' identity. There's an even more glorious half, and that is Jesus' divinity. Read with me at verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What just happened? I don't know about you, but 
my baptism was just ever so slightly different from Jesus' baptism. Uh, I got baptized in the summer of 2014, um, just before I joined HDC, actually, um, on a very windy, not very sunny, but a very beautiful Bournemouth Beach in my hometown. And uh, I, I grew up in a Baptist church, so John the Baptist is a bit of a legend back where I come from. And my church, they kind of had baptism covered. They had a pool built into the stage, and so it was just, you know, when you got baptized, you got baptized in the pool at church. It was just what happened. A few people had sort of asked if they could maybe do it on the beach or somewhere else, and it was sort of out of the question. But uh, after... Um, after kind of myself just going through that journey, but also after a new minister and some relaxed rules later, I was one of the first people in my church's history to be baptized in the Blessed English Channel. And I remember, I remember that as I was being put under the water, as the minister was saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, as he was doing that. And as I came up, I, I, instead of hearing the audible voice of God say, This is Ben Hayes, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Instead of hearing that, as I'm coming up, I'm instantly going back down because a wave just hits me and I'm almost re-baptized. You see, as, as Jesus comes out of the water, thousands of people hear the audible voice of God. And what is the voice saying? God is validating and affirming his son. God the Father is speaking into God the Son, and God the Spirit is getting in on the job too. He is filling, alighting, resting, and anointing the Son. The whole Trinity is involved. It's, it's similar to the creation story back in, in Genesis 1.26. We read that God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The Trinity were at work right at the beginning. And John Charles Ryle, who was a former Anglican bishop, he puts it like this. It was the whole Trinity which at the beginning of creation said, let us make man. And it was the whole Trinity again, which at the beginning of the gospel seemed to say, let us save man. Jesus' divine mission, which was prophesied in Isaiah, was to come and make the unrighteous righteous, to justify many, to bear the sins of all, and to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. And, And God speaking out at this moment is a way of letting us all know that Jesus is the divinely appointed mediator between us and God. And interestingly, What is actually spoken here at the start of Jesus' ministry, again, is repeated and spoken over Jesus at the end of his ministry, at the transfiguration. Uh, God, he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then God adds on a little PS. He says, listen to him. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, not many of us will hear the audible voice of God. As I said, I certainly didn't at my baptism. But Peter, he writes in his second letter, at verse 17, he says, he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice 
came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. So transfiguration. Verse 19, this is the best bit. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. So when we ask ourselves, what voices are we listening to? What's being spoken in or over us? We may not hear God's audible word, but we do have his word here in the Bible. And will we let this word be the loudest voice that we hear? Will we let this voice speak into us, speak over us? Will we let it be a lamp? Or will we ignore it and stumble about in the dark? So we've looked at Jesus' humanity. We've looked at his divinity. So what about us? What's our identity? What voices are we listening to? What's shaping us? What's being spoken to and over us? Well, the beautiful truth is that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, if you say, yep, I'm a Christian, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then verse 17 is a real encouragement to you. When, if you're a follower of Jesus, when God says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, God is declaring that over you. God says that your identity is that you are a child of God. That he loves you and he is pleased with you. When God looks at us, we're righteous because of what Christ has done with, with his baptism, with his death, with his rising again. Jesus, who stepped into our humanity, he was baptized to identify with us, died on our behalf so that we could be made right with God. When Jesus looks at us, he sees us as righteous. He sees Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower here today, are you hearing God the Father declare his love over you? Are you hearing God the Father say, I am pleased with you? Or are you letting other voices speak over you, declare things over you, shape you? John the Baptist, he was bang on. And he said that he wasn't worthy even to carry Jesus' sandals. John knew who Jesus was. And some of us here today, are we letting people declare over us that we're not enough? Are we letting people speak over us that we're incomplete, that we're worthless, that we're alone? As I said, if you are a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then God speaks something far greater over you. The word for son in this passage can actually be translated to child. And it's often, when it's seen in other parts of the Bible, is kind of linked to adoption. So, when people speak those things over you, you know deep down that because of Jesus' victory on the cross, you've been adopted, you enter into the family of God and that you have all you need. And so some of you may be thinking, well, what about me? I'm, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe as Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. What's my identity? What, what voice do I need to listen to? 
And the message for you today, if that is you, if that is you, thank you so much for coming, for sitting through the, this so far. But if that is you, your, the message you need to hear is John's message. Repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus stood in your place. He died for you. He took all of your sins, the things you have done and the things that you will do. He bore them on the cross. He nailed them there. Jesus died for you. And what I'd love to do is I'd just love to offer an opportunity. If that is you, you say, I'm not a Christian, to, to repent and to turn to God. Jesus, he's paid the price. He's done it all for you. And so I'm going to just lead us in a prayer. And if you would like to be included in that prayer, I'm just going to encourage us all with our eyes closed, with our heads bowed. If you want to be included in a prayer and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, I'm just going to say three simple things. Thank you, sorry, and please. And it's going to go something like this. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin and for dying for me. I'm sorry for the times that I've sinned and turned my back on you. Please, would you forgive me? Please, would you welcome me into your family? And would you speak those words over me that I am your child whom you love? And as I said, if you want to be included in that prayer, just with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to encourage you just to stick up your hand. And that's just to, it's just to kind of solidify outwardly what's happening inwardly. It could be one person, it could be nobody, but that's okay. If that is you, if you want to say this for the first time or as a recommitment, I would just love you right now just to shoot up your hand and I'll include you in this prayer. Thank you. Amazing, you can pop hands down. Father God, we, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, for me. Thank you, Lord, for taking my sin and for nailing it to that cross. And Lord, I am sorry for the times that I've sinned against you, the times that I've turned my back on you. And Lord, I, I ask, please, would you forgive me? Please, Lord, would you welcome me into your family? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, why don't we stand? I'd love to invite the band as we do so. Amazing. And if you prayed that prayer as a first time, as a recommitment, um, we've got some, some bags, some packs that we would just love to give you um, at the back. But just as we... Just as we uh, carry on, I just, sometimes I forget what God speaks over me. And I can fall into the trap of letting the voices of comparison creep in, or the voices of competition, or the voices of doubt, or the voices of self-pity, or whatever. It might be a different voice for you. And I need to hear those words again and again and again, and again. My son, he, um, he's going to be two in a couple of weeks. 
And every time that we hear a rainbow, uh, we see a rainbow, I, I, you know, on the telly or in the sky or in a book or whatever, I say to him, I say, Winston, what is it? And Winston looks at me and he goes, it's a rainbow. And I say, what is a rainbow? He says, it got promise. And I say, and what is God's promise? And Winston says, God loves me. He says, God loves me. And I know that the, the rainbow in scripture is, it's a promise that God won't flood the earth. But I mean, come on, how amazing is that? How amazing is that, that my son says, God loves me. He knows that truth. That's what I want to speak over him. That's what I want him to grow up with. I know that's what my parents wanted me to grow up with. And, and I, tonight, if you are here, if you have forgotten the words that God says over you, I know I have, and if not for you, for me, I'm going to say it again. That I am God's son, that he loves me, and that I know he is pleased with me. And if you're a Jesus follower here today, this is for you, that you are God's child. He loves you. He is pleased with you. You are God's child. He loves you and he is pleased with you. And it's just as the band begins to play, if, if you need to hear that again, if you want that being prayed over you, I just want to encourage you as we worship, just why don't you come forward? In fact, if the hosting team would like to come as well. But if you need those words repeated over you, then please do come forward. And coming forward, it's not a bad thing. Remember at the start of our passage, we looked at, there was that queue of people lining up. You're in good company. In fact, you're in great company because Jesus entered into that queue. So coming forward and saying, I need to hear those words again, is a good thing. I'm going to get some prayer because I need to hear that again. But also, if you're here tonight and you've had people speak things over you, if they've spoken things and shaped your identity that are not true, that are wrong, in Jesus' name, we want to break those off. We want to pray with you. We want to offer healing. We want the Spirit to come and to fill you and to bless you. And so if that is you, would you just come? So as I said, as we sing, why don't we do that?